Good evening and welcome to From Where We Are, stories of news and culture through the lens of Southern California and USC. I'm Jack Waterman. And I'm Sana Mahmood. We're coming to you live from Studio B and USC's Annenberg Media Center. It's Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. On today's show, we learn about the historic blizzard warning issued for Southern California. We're seeing the end of the California drought. We hear from Dr. Kelly Greco on how weather may affect students' mental health. The first thing that comes to my mind is what is your relationship with weather? And students' thoughts on Joe Biden following his State of the Union address. When we look at a lot of issues that Americans care about, he addresses a lot of them. All that and more from where we are after these news headlines. From Annenberg Media, I'm CC He. Finance ministers from around the world are meeting today in India to discuss global economic recovery. After these last few years of international crises, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is there. Today, Yellen repeated the U.S. warning that China must not evade sanctions and give lethal weapons to Russia to fight a war with Ukraine. We will certainly continue to make clear to the Chinese government and to companies and banks in their jurisdiction about what the rules are regarding our sanctions and the serious consequences they would face for violating them. Also today, China's deputy ambassadors to the United Nations said that the U.S. and other nations sending more weapons to Ukraine will not bring peace. Tomorrow marks exactly one year since Russia invaded and Ukraine is bracing for expected major attacks time to the anniversary. Disgraced former film producer Harvey Weinstein was sentenced today to 16 years in prison for sexually assaulting a model actress in an L.A. hotel room about a decade ago. He will serve the sentence consecutively, with an earlier 23-year sentence he received for sexual assaults on two other women. An attorney for Harvey Weinstein vowed to appeal today's sentence. And singer R. Kelly was sentenced today to 20 years in prison for child sex crimes. The judge in this case ruled that all but one year of the sentence would be served at the same time as the previous 30-year term. Kelly received for racketeering and sex trafficking. Rain hails fell on part of LA and Orange counties today. Forecasters expect this to be the start of several days of winter weather around here, with unusually strong winds and surf, and dangerous driving conditions in the mountains, where there is a rare, at least for us, blizzard warning. Those are some of the top stories in the news. What you're hearing now is the sound of hail that was just right outside our studio just a few minutes ago. Hail is really rare around here, and that hail is snow up in the mountains and rain in other parts of LA. It's a puzzling weather forecast for Southern California, one not seen since 1989. Many areas around here have been issued a blizzard warning as a result of the massive winter storm. Paige Shea has the story. A blizzard warning has been issued for Friday and Saturday for Southern California's mountain regions. The potential blizzard and storms are a result of a massive winter storm that will impact the U.S. west and north regions this weekend. 
The blizzard warning is only the second blizzard warning ever issued for the Los Angeles area. The first one was issued over three decades ago, on February 4, 1989. Between Thursday and Saturday, in some L.A. and Ventura County mountain areas, snowfall is expected to reach 6 to 12 inches and at the highest elevations, potentially up to 7 feet. In valley areas and coastal areas in Southern California, which includes South L.A., flood warnings have been issued as the areas are expected to get 2 to 4 inches of rain. Well, it's unusual, obviously, but uh, I mean... Cliff Mass is a professor at the University of Washington in the Department of Atmospheric Sciences. Mass is an expert in weather prediction and modeling and believes that the winter storm is actually beneficial to the overall climate of California. We're seeing the end of the California drought uh, between what we had earlier this year and now the massive snowpack that's going to result from this event is going to ensure that California is going to be in pretty good shape when it comes to water resources uh, this coming year. So it's a very, very big positive, really. However, Mass does not believe that the winter storm is a result of climate change whatsoever. I mean, you know, basically we're seeing, you know, the restoration of water. Um, this is very typical for California. You, California goes through several dry years, and then it has uh, a period of wetter conditions. So that that's the nature of California weather. You know, it's very uneven, and it has these dry periods followed by wet periods. And so it's always been like that. So this is really not climate change. It's really the old-fashioned climate of California. Kristen Stewart, a meteorologist for the National Weather Service in Los Angeles, believes that it's too soon to determine if the winter storm is a result of climate change. It's hard to tell from now because you, you need kind of decades and centuries of uh, data to really you know, indicate any sort of climate change signal. But, you know, weather systems happen all the time. So, um, you know, this is kind of more of a smaller, short, shorter time period scale of just kind of normal weather patterns. And Even though Sunday is expected to bring some weather relief, make sure to keep your jackets close by for the return of the rain on Monday. For Annenberg Media, I'm Paige Shea. Feeling under the weather? The phrase originally came from the language of sailors, referring to violent weather conditions while embarking on the seas. Despite not being sailors, some people tend to feel different depending on the climate. Why is this, and what can we do about it? Amy Lopez has the story. A lot of us are familiar with the term seasonal depression, but the more accurate name is seasonal affective disorder, or SAD. So seasonal affective disorder is a type of clinical depression. So we see in terms of symptoms may come up with the obvious when the weather changes. That was Dr. Kelly Greco, a psychologist and clinical associate professor at USC's Keck School of Medicine. The first thing that comes to my mind is what is your relationship with weather in terms of how it impacts you, which is how you think about it, how you feel about it, and then the behaviors that come with it. Mayan Fritz is a senior studying neuroscience. She acknowledges the relationship between sunshine and her mood. I think it definitely will change their mood. I think especially if they are weather dependent, so they need sunshine in order to feel a certain way. Scientifically speaking, sunshine does boost serotonin. But other than that, personally for me, I, I don't mind it because I just get to stay I in. I think we should. Sandy Cole is a sophomore studying political science. He shares his thoughts on students' relationships with rainy LA. I feel like rain kind of puts like a pause on like a lot of people's like social lives for like the days it's here in LA and that brings people down. A lot of like social events get cancelled and a lot of people can't do the things that they like to do, especially because 
I feel like most LA hobbies are outside related. In terms of how to deal with seasonal affect disorder, especially for students at USC who might not be too familiar with rain in such a sunny place, Dr. Greco shares her input. If we're hearing that we're going to get bad weather in the next two days, let's plan ahead and make some decisions on how do I get to class or how do I get to my internship or where am I going to study? So I think if you plan ahead and you don't let the situation take control, you feel more empowered and it's not controlling you. With the upcoming storm, make sure to take Dr. Greco's advice to plan ahead and stay safe. For Annenberg Media, I'm Amy Lopez. I'm Jack Waterman. We're glad you're with us for From Where We Are. And I'm Sana Mahmood. It's eight minutes past the hour. Up next, do the American people want Joe Biden to be the next presidential nominee? And we sat down with NPR correspondent Chloe Veltman. Stay tuned. Yesterday, a poll conducted by the Marist Institute for Public Opinion found that following President Biden's State of the Union address, the percentage of people who want him to be re-nominated for president hit its peak. We talk about how this might be due to his appeal to younger voters. Matt Chen reports. According to the poll, 50% of Democrats or Democratic-leaning independents believe that their party has a better chance of winning the White House with Biden as their nominee. We spoke with a USC expert and students to learn their perspectives on Biden's potential for re-election. Morley Winograd, a senior fellow at the Annenberg Center for Communication Leadership, has researched the impact of youth voters in elections. He believes that Biden's ability to banter with opposition during the State of the Union greatly impacted his approval ratings. And I think the fact that he was able to do an hour speech, to do it on a, you know, kind of uh, spontaneous uh, give and take, uh, and when she clearly got the better of them and had humor and the right kind of facial expressions about it, I think that went a long way. At the midterm elections, young voters had an unprecedented turnout, with many of them voting Democrat. Winograd believes that despite his age, Biden's focus on abortion rights, climate change, and student loan forgiveness will be a motivator for many young voters. Well, his appeal in uh, 2020 occurred when he uh, advocated for things like tuition-free college that are very important to younger voters, probably their number one uh, reason why to vote. And, uh, Alexis Valle is a USC student majoring in business administration and disagrees with Winograd on Biden's ability to pull through when it comes to these issues. So Biden, I feel like he said a lot of things and his actions tried to match what he said, but they weren't really there 100%. Like you talk about like student loan relief and stuff like that. Sasha Hussein is the president of Trojan Democrats and is optimistic about Biden's chances for re-election following his address. She, like Winograd, thinks Biden's continued focus on such hot-button topics that youth voters consider more important will be the key to his success. Well, so I think when it when we look at a lot of issues that uh, Americans care about, he addresses a lot of them, and specifically a lot of them for um, populations like uh, middle class and low income, but also POC, BIPOC communities. Overall, while Hussein would ideally prefer a younger candidate, she believes Biden is the Democrats' best shot at maintaining the presidency. With our generation, I also do think that Biden, if you want to think strategically, Biden is our best chance because he does appeal 
to young Americans in many aspects, but also appeals to the older population. Despite Biden's rising approval ratings with Democrats, his rates are lackluster with independents. In the same poll, just 36% of independents approve of the job Biden has done since he took the presidency. Biden has still not formally announced his bid for the 2024 nomination, but a second term as president, given his age, would be unprecedented. For Annenberg Media, I'm Matt Chen. Chloe Veltman, a culture correspondent for NPR, was at Annenberg today for an informal Q&A with students. We spoke with Chloe about her career, experiences, and her favorite part about audio storytelling. You can take a listener into a completely different world where they can use their imagination in a very fresh way, a way that I feel visual media doesn't take you, you know. It was Ira Glass who said that uh, audio or radio is the most visual of mediums. And I think he's absolutely correct. I mean, the worlds that you can paint in sound um, are extremely creative. And, and I love to play with sound and think about all the ways that I can bring different kinds of sounds into my pieces beyond, um, you know, narrative and beyond the use of speech, you know, quotes that people might give you for things. So... Yeah, I think just and, and, and I think also, I don't know about you, but I was a print journalist for many years mm-hmm. and I was always quite scared by the blank page, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> when you're starting, you're at that stage, you've done all your reporting or you've done your thinking and you're like, oh, God, I'll write the thing. And, and, and I always found it very hard uh, when I was working in print, but somehow with audio, because you're working with these sound bites and you're writing into them and out of them and using different scenes in that way, I find it easier somehow. It's like the the the, the sound, the characters, the scenes are my friends, and they're already there, they're already there on the page, and I just have to kind of lean into them and lean out of them. It's like a dance. What is like a piece of advice that you might give to like a young journalist, or maybe that you would have given to yourself um, back back when you were just getting started? Well. Um, I think that for a long time in my career, and it's no different to a lot of people, unless you're very, very lucky, there's a lot of hustle involved. Mm. And I was self-employed for a long, long, long time and living in a very marginal fashion. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so it involved kind of hustling a lot and taking a a lot of assignments from different places and pitching and pitching and pitching and pitching, right? And never giving up. Mm. Um, But there was always through all of this for the many many years there was always this sort of standard that I would or, or little rule book that I would mm-hmm. give myself and it would be okay I'm either going to do an assignment because it pays well right. or I'm going to do it because it feeds my soul in rare instances very rare it'll do both right <laughs> but you want at least one or the other and be clear about that but I will not take an assignment that neither pays well, (laughs) nor is any fun, right? It's a very sort of basic thing, but it really helped me in my, particularly in my early years to kind of figure out, because there is a temptation, isn't there? Just say, well, I'll do anything, you know, even if it pays like 20 bucks and it takes me a week and I'm not even interested in the topic. Do you have one that's been your favorite or like an experience you've been able to have because you get to cover all of these interesting things? Oh my goodness. I mean, there are so many. Right. I feel like the luckiest person in the universe to get to do what I do. I really do. I love this job and I feel so honored 
to have it. Yeah. Um, I mean, to give you one example, though, they sent me a few months ago out into the Nevada desert mm. to cover um, an artwork that had been 50 years in the making by wow. um, an, art, an American artist who's uh, well into his 70s now called Michael Heiser. Mm. And this piece is called City. And he's basically built a sort of strange city uh, out in the middle of the desert, nothing oh. around it for yeah. hours. You know, you drive for three hours out of Las Vegas to even get there. Yeah. And it was incredible for me on so many levels because uh, I love the challenge of making audio pieces out of essentially what's visual art right. and thinking about how do you do that in a way that like makes the, the listener go, Wah. Yeah. <laughs> uh but also, I kind of went, because there'd been a fair amount of coverage of this thing before before I got to it. And I was thinking, well, how do I have a fresh angle on this? I sort of went in there thinking, I'm going to do like a somewhat critical piece, right. but, you know. And I did faithfully talk to local people. And I did have makings to do that story because there were indeed people in the nearby town who were like, eh, mm. we don't feel we have a relationship with this artwork. What's it for? But then I, w I, I went there and I got to spend two or three hours wandering around on my own in this place. And it was just so completely transformative mm. that I felt it would be dishonest to tell that other story, which, you know, may or may not. I didn't, you know, it may be, still be there. And maybe that's one to tell down the road. Right. But I had to tell a different piece. I had to tell a sort of more e experiential piece. And again, that was Chloe Veltman, a culture correspondent for NPR. Isn't she the best? She is the best. She was wearing the cutest outfit. <laughs> it was so colorful and fun. I loved it. It just sounds like she's like covering arts and culture. It sounds like she was talking about covering things like Beyonce to covering this this like city in the middle mm -hmm. of nowhere in Nevada. It sounds like her her journey that I think people like might assume is just behind a microphone is actually like spread across the country and across the world, which is which is super duper cool. Yeah. So and that's all we have time for on today's From Where We Are. Jeffrey Lee, Daishlin Satcher, and Ethan Huang produced today's show. We'd also had some help from Jay Knox, MJ Newsom, Jack Hallinan, Cam Toomey, and Taryn Snyder. Derek Renfro composed our theme music. Matt Chen runs our soundboard. Our live stream manager is Nina Mutgat. Be sure to check us out on YouTube at Annenberg Radio News. I'm Sana Mahmood. And I'm Jack Waterman. From all of us at Annenberg Radio, wherever you are, from where we are. Gotta get inside. Staying inside this weekend. I will not be outside for the next four years. <laughs>